Hey everyone, my name is Dr. Dolores Tarver. I'm a licensed psychologist here in Georgia, coming to you with your next mental health moment. And today we will be discussing too much sauce. Now I know what you're thinking, like too much sauce is in I'm dripping, I'm looking amazing, I'm fabulous. Well, not this time. In honor of the last day of Black, Indigenous, and People of Color Month, we are going to be discussing alcohol abuse because that is something that affects this community disproportionately. So I wanna give a few kind of statistics. I know all of us have uh, people in our family members, that uncle that he drinks a little bit. Uh, we may have friends that back in college, they drink a lot, their drinking behavior has changed, or perhaps you have uh, those moments when you go out with your friends, when you drink a lot in those moments, but they're few and far between. And a lot of people ask me, so what is the hallmark of alcohol abuse, alcohol misuse, um, addiction, those kind of things. So I wanna talk a little bit about that before we get going. First of all, let me say that um, even though alcohol abuse is frequently talked about in populations of people of color, because it disproportionately affects people of color, um, there are actually higher rates of use in Caucasians. So I don't want you all to take from this that, oh, people of color really got problems with alcohol abuse. Alcohol abuse can be a challenge for anyone, um, but more often than not, it's actually a challenge um, for, for Caucasians more so than it is for our people of color. But we do know that people can drink responsibly, drink effectively, so it's not a end-all be-all for any population in particular, but something we wanna highlight because it is an area of concern. Um, now, oftentimes people will say, well, clearly I don't have a problem because I don't drink that frequently, or um, I don't have a problem because I don't wake up drinking. Like we have this idea of um, people being homeless out on the street, that, that they have the brown paper bag, um, that they smell, they're dirty, that they're urinating all over themselves. And that's our image when we think of somebody that's addicted to alcohol or who drinks alcohol excessively or uses, that, uses it as a primary source for coping. So I wanna kind of shatter some of those stereotypes too. Um, I also wanna talk about some of the reasons why people may use alcohol primarily as their mechanism for coping. So let's kind of get into some of those things. We know that if you have ever taken medication, medication has side effects. All medications have side effects. Most of them are minimal and we don't even really notice them, but some of them can be more significant. And so sometimes what people will do is they will use alcohol in lieu of a medication because they don't like the side effects of that particular medication. And they feel like alcohol serves the place of being able to numb or at least allow me to temporarily forget about what I might experiencing, particularly if it's pain um, or if I'm dealing with anxiety, depression, um, things that are causing me to not want to go out and do things or um, I'm uncomfortable when I'm in front of people, then alcohol becomes that way to be able to kind of loosen those inhibitions so I'm more comfortable in those environments. We also know that almost half of the people that are diagnosed with substance use disorders have a co-occurring mental health disorder. And so that's gonna be your depression, your anxiety, your bipolar as the top one, schizophrenia. Um, and then other things that contribute to alcohol abuse is trauma. Um, homelessness is a factor, uh, poverty, racism, um, inability to access the types of things that people need to access or so stress 
in their environment, being able to try to find jobs, being able to get financial resources, um, being able to get childcare, those kind of things can also contribute to people using alcohol. And then some people just really like the taste of alcohol. Um, much like you have that refreshing beverage that you use uh, to quench your thirst when you are out eating a meal, for some people that is alcohol. And for some, the alcohol goes better with crawfish or um, if you're at a, a bar, you got some fish and chips or some nachos, right? That alcohol tends to go better with some of those things or ladies um, like the taste of that alcohol, like a mimosa or wine uh, with the meal or as a way to relax at the end of the day. So um, let's talk about excessive use versus um, actual addiction. So excessive use would be things like, um, like I said, you're not necessarily using a substance daily, but when you do drink, you're having a hard time stopping, right? So a lot of us have um, limits to how much we can drink and still be within our reasonable faculties. Uh, so for some people, that's two drinks. Some people, that's three. Um, some people have built up such a tolerance. We'll talk about that in terms of addiction that they can drink um, what they think might be 12 uh, beers and not be affected because they've just gotten so used to drinking alcohol. Um, but when we're talking about excessive use, we're talking about not being able to stop once I start um, setting that limit and exceeding that limit. Uh, it might be using multiple times in one day, or it might be using a high amount in a short period of time uh, less frequently. So I may be a weekend binge drinker where I don't typically drink during the work week, but on the weekend, um, I'm drinking several mixed drinks or beers. Um, some people, I'm down in um, a 12-pack in a weekend. Some For some people, it is I'm going through a bottle of wine in one sitting, and that sitting may be about an hour, an hour and a half, two hours. Um, for some people, it may be I start drinking that morning on Saturday, and I drink throughout the day, all through Saturday night, and I don't really stop drinking um, until I need to try to start recovering on Sunday before it's time for me to go to work. If you are using alcohol as your primary mechanism for coping, so as I discussed, when that stress hits you, work stress, uh, family stress, um, financial stress, then my first thought is I need to get a drink. Um, not like, how, how can I sit down and problem solve and manage this or talk this over, but okay, I need to go ahead and get a drink. Or that typical, I need a drink after work every day. Um, so some people aren't drinking a lot, but they are drinking daily. And so drinking has become the only thing that they really utilize to be able to manage and deal with any kind of stress. Uh, if when you drink, you drink to the point where it changes your behavior in very significant ways or it changes your mood in significant ways. So uh, now you're becoming very aggressive or some people become really silly or some people become weepy and they're crying and, oh, I love you so much. You mean so much to me. Um, some people become overly talkative. Some people, their boundaries become non-existent when they've been drinking a lot of alcohol. And then you have uh, these moments where you're embarrassed about your behavior or you can't remember exactly what you did or you're missing periods of time. Like those are some examples of when I can be drinking excessively. I may not necessarily have an addiction, but I'm not using alcohol in productive ways so that it's affecting me negatively. Um, I may um, 
have those opportunities where people are not wanting to be around me. Like it's affecting people wanting to interact with me socially or not wanting to go out with me in places where there are gonna be, there's going to be alcohol or people are asking questions about, uh, okay, what's going to be served? Because they know that when you start drinking, you're going to change your behavior. A great person outside of when you drink, but when you drink, like people start to get irritated or annoyed with you or, or scared of you for that matter. Um, when we start getting to a point where it's moving into addiction, then we're building up tolerance for something. So I need more of a substance to have the same effect or I need more of it um, in a smaller amount of time to be able to get that effect. I am spending more money trying to access it, um, use it, and even recover from it. I'm spending more time with that. I try unsuccessfully to decrease the amount. Like I say, oh, right, for Lent, we like to give up things. Like, oh, I'm going to give up drinking for Lent or, oh, I'm going to cut back on my drinking. But then I have a hard time being able to follow through with that. And I find myself in this loop of behavior of saying I'm going to change it, but then I'm back um, using it in the same way. And then I feel this guilt and shame about it. And then I'm back saying I'm going to cut it down again. Um, there is also that difficulty just managing home, school, work. You get to a point where those drinking behaviors now become um, barriers to you being able to complete things. So now because I drank yesterday, I drank too much. So now I'm hungover and I'm struggling the next day at work or school. Or um, I just was supposed to have a relaxing evening watching the kids, but I've been drinking so much now I'm, I'm sleeping and I'm not really helpful to the kids at all. Or I got a headache um, or the kids can tell my behavior is different and they think something is going on with me. Um, I do it that excessive spending when I've been drinking. So I'm much more likely to be impulsive with my spending or I'm more likely to be impulsive engaging in sexual behaviors. Um, things that I might not typically do, I'm finding that I do. I punch holes through walls. I'm getting blackout drunk. Um, I'm ending up in places I don't remember how I got there. I'm outside. I wake up in my car outside. I don't have any idea how I got home. Um, or I wake up on my porch outside of my house trying to figure out how I got to the door, um, remembering nothing about that. Like those are those are indications um, that I'm moving into that, that place of addiction, that this alcohol is becoming a, a, a problem. Um, I crave it, right? So I, when I don't have alcohol, like I really, really, I'm craving the taste of it. Um, I'm thinking about that drink when I get home, I can't wait till I get my next drink. Um, that's also an indication. Um, using even when it's in a dangerous situation, it's like, I know I'm not supposed to be drinking and driving, but here I am drinking and getting behind the wheel. Um, because I need to get someplace or I don't want people to drive my car. I don't want to get in um, any kind of sharing service to get home. Um, I'm drinking before I go to work. I'm drinking at work. I'm drinking um, right after a, a break. So I'm on lunch break at work. I'm in the parking lot trying to get me a sip. Right? So these are, are times when I know this isn't healthy for me. Like I operate heavy machinery at work. I don't need to be drinking. Um, I also know that we have a culture at work where not, we're not supposed to be drinking. Um, so here I am supposed to be taking care of these patients and I'm over here trying to nurse this hangover. So I'm getting some alcohol to try to help um, me deal with the symptoms of this hangover or my day is so stressful and so hard. And I've come to the point where I'm relying on alcohol so much. I can't get through a day without drinking. Um, can't deal with the kids without drinking. I can't deal with my partner without drinking. Um, we can get to the point going back to this notion we have of people being dirty and um, 
not taking care of themselves when we excessively drink like you've seen that person vomit all over everything and but they've been drinking so much they're not concerned about what they've got on and the fact that they smell like vomit and this alcohol is coming through their pores um how many times have people excessively drank and just found themselves in the bed with those same dirty clothes on from the night before didn't even take them off didn't even take off shoes um and so like now i'm not even taking care of myself and doing the things that i would to to keep my body up i don't care about my teeth being brushed and care about what i look like um, I'm, I'm, I don't even remember what happened. Uh, and, and sometimes I'm showing up places where I've been drinking and this is coming through my pores at work or to other events, especially if I've been drinking all day and I don't care that I smell um, like a brewery uh, when you are next to me. Um, continuing that substance use despite its negative consequences. Maybe I've had a couple of DUIs or more than two. Um, maybe I've had a, a minor in possession charge when I was younger. Uh, maybe I've been pulled over, but I haven't gotten tickets. I've got out of getting those tickets. And so I've uh, said to myself, like, eh, don't worry about it. Um, I think, well, I can go get some something to drink from the package store right around the corner. And I hop in my car knowing that I've already been drinking. But I convinced myself, like, well, it's just around the corner. I'll be able to go over there. Um, and, and get back or knowing that I shouldn't be driving because I'm at my limit, but I still get in that car anyway and say I can drive myself home, um, even though I'm stumbling and my keys are um, falling all over the place as I try to get into the door. Or I know that I end up um, getting into fights, right? So I become aggressive and now I'm fighting people because I've been drinking, I'm easily irritated and frustrated. And so people are getting on my nerves more frequently. And now I've got some arrest under my belt because I keep engaging in violent behavior when I'm drinking or I'm tearing stuff up property um, uh, or, or getting home with my partner and being abusive to my partner uh, as well. Um, that again, that increased tolerance of needing more to get that same effect. So. The more you drink, the higher that tolerance gets. And for a lot of people, one of the things that comes out of binge drinking is, so now I can tolerate more and more levels of alcohol. I don't even realize at this point I'm intoxicated. And then I'm just drinking at this point just to be drinking. Like I don't even, I, the buzz, I'm past that level. Um, I'm just drinking now, just drinking. It's not even, it's, all, it's almost like it's on automatic um, at this point. Um, those physical reactions, which we call withdrawals when you stop using. So you want to stop, but then all of a sudden you notice you're getting the shakes. Um, you're irritable all the time, cranky, snapping at people, um, feel like you've been hit by a truck, headaches, all of those things. Like those are examples of when I'm so used to having this substance in my system when I take it out. Like now, and so then I could be at increased risk for a heart attack uh, because I'm so used to drinking. Alcohol has become. Um, such a part of my body that it is depending on this substance or else, in, which is why it's important for people when they're at that level to have detox before they can even um, get into treatment and they have to have some things to allow them to transition off this alcohol so they don't end up um, having a cardiac event. Um, continuing that substance use despite, like we said, I've been arrested, I've lost money, I've lost jobs, I've lost friendships. Um, I've had physical injuries that have occurred as a result of my substance use and I just still keep doing it despite all of these 
consequences because again for me it's more about I, I want this substance and so I've lost sight of anything else it becomes the thing that's the major factor in my life um, so why do people then end up drinking to this point having these problems with alcohol knowing that um, financially it's costing them a lot of money to get out to the bar they're spending all this money buying people rounds because at this point they're inebriated and so they're not thinking about the fact that they're spending $500 at the bar. Um, they don't think about that until they sober up and realize like how the heck did I spend $500 at this bar? Um, so what are some of the barriers? First of all, I think there is a lack of acknowledgement or even understanding when someone has an issue with alcohol. And, and sometimes our support systems, the people around us, because we also tend to be around people that also drink excessively, don't necessarily give us any feedback, any difference. So if I come from a family of drinkers, and I hear a lot of people say this, oh no, we some drinkers, we can hold our alcohol, right? So now I've normalized drinking in my family. So we don't know what's normal and, and not normal. We don't know what's excessive and, and at that level of addiction, because all of us drink and all of us drink pretty heavily. So no, compared to my family members, I have some that, um, you know, they're, they're laying on the floor at the end of the night. At least I can go home so I don't have a problem, right? So there's that lack of understanding of what constitutes addiction or what is excessive use. Um, there is shame and stigma. Like who wants to say I got a problem with the sauce? Nobody wants to say that. And people are like, oh, I can manage my alcohol. I can stop drinking. I don't drink all the time, right? All of these um, excuses that we'll say to ourselves to rationalize continuing our behavior. There's also mistrust of providers, like what's gonna happen if I tell you this information? Is it gonna affect me on my job? Um, I can't go to recovery. I don't have the financial resources to be able to do that. Recovery might be inpatient or outpatient Monday through Friday. I won't be able to work. I won't be able to get leave and, and get paid for that. I can't do that. I don't have childcare to be able to cover me going into recovery. I wouldn't even know where to go to recovery if I wanted to go. Um, and, and I think that for a lot of people, all of these factors are so prohibitive and not that necessarily people are actively thinking about them, but I think in that subconscious part of our minds, like we're really concerned about what would that even look like? What would people think of me? And so, yeah, I'm fine. I can manage it on my own. Um, so let's talk about some of the negative effects just, just on our body in terms of excessive alcohol use or, or um, a substance use disorder. Right, so then I mentioned the, the cardiovascular events, like we're at higher risk for cardiovascular disease when we excessively drink um, cancer. We are all aware of the liver disease and cirrhosis of the liver that people can get. Pancreatitis is another one. Fetal alcohol syndrome for women that drink during their pregnancy. Um, also, in terms of just legal consequences, we know that African-Americans are much more likely to receive harsher sentences for substance-related um, arrests, and so eight times more likely for black men to be in prison due to drug-related um, offenses. So even if we get outside of the alcohol use to, um, you know, you've got DUIs or you uh, were drinking excessively and then purchased some marijuana or had something else in your car, not realizing you had it in there, or then you had a firearm in your car, but you are unlicensed or anything, because now my judgment is impaired. So I'm doing other things. I get in an accident, I get in a wreck, something like that. Then I'm much more likely as a black man to end up being arrested and imprisoned for that. Um, 
We also know that alcohol use can increase domestic violence and child abuse, right? So we're not thinking clearly when we're drinking. Again, I talked about how uh, alcohol can affect a person's mood. Some people become those angry, we call them angry drunks, um, but they become really violent and aggressive to their family members. And so this is often when children end up either taking care of their parents. So now I got to get you cleaned up and get you to bed or um, make sure you didn't fall asleep and leave a stove on or, or right? Because we're, we're not even aware of what we're doing. So we're starting stuff and not finish it and burn the house down. Um, have a cigarette in my mouth. I'm falling asleep with a cigarette hanging out my mouth, catch that on fire, right? So now kids are responsible for, for caretaking and caregiving and spouses are making excuses for your behavior and apologizing every time you go somewhere and you're inappropriate with somebody um, because of your behavior. So um, this is causing a lot of residual effects in families uh, for, for children as well as spouses. Um, so what can we do, right? So I know that um, you all are thinking, well, I'm not at that level. I don't really need to worry about it. Well, before you say that, I would encourage you to assess. Like I'm a big assessment person. Let me actually see what my use is like. So if you are a person that uses once a quarter, um, but but you are um, going in once a quarter, like track that use in that way. How many times, even though, so I'm not as concerned about, okay, it's not daily, but how much am I drinking when I do drink? So track your use, whether you're a person that uses daily, weekly, bi-weekly, monthly, quarterly. If you have gotten reports from other people that there are some things that you do that are destructive when you drink, or that embarrass you or you have regrets about or you're spending this excessive money, like track it. That's one way to figure out, okay, uh, where am I really at with my use? Um, that, that encourages you to be a little bit more honest with yourself about what's going on. Um, tracking is actually a good way too to reduce the amount of drinks you have, especially if you track before a drink. So, okay, I'm about to have this drink. Um, before I have my next drink, like I need to track that. There's a lot of apps where you can kind of track your um, substance use. And so this will allow you to see like, oh, if I said I have a three drink minimum, like I'm about to hit drink three, I've only been here an hour, right? That also allow you to see how fast am I drinking? How fast am I consuming beverages? So maybe I stop early in the night, but I've had five before I stop. And I've had those five over a course of an hour, um, hour and a half. Um, Measuring out the alcohol, like when, when people are making mixed drinks at home, um, so they, right, so we just pouring, we're not measuring, but when you're trying to really track how much alcohol you're receiving, it's important that you actually know how much am I getting in a serving so I can be able to track, because uh, your version of a shot and my version of a shot may be a little different, especially if I don't actually have a shot glass, I'm just pouring some in there for you. So that's another way to kind of track that use too, because I say, oh, I don't drink but a couple of drinks, but then I'm getting a large amount of alcohol in a serving. And so really I'm getting more than one serving of alcohol. Um, Predetermining the amounts you wanna drink is also a good strategy uh, and having that accountability partner. So if you know, hey, two is really where I wanna stop tonight, then the people I'm with need to be aware that two is where I wanna stop. If you have people that's gonna be like, oh, let me get you a drink, oh, let me get you a drink. You're just nursing that, you're babysitting that, come on, get another one. Then I'm gonna be more likely to drink. So let me actually be in a space where people understand I'm trying to reduce this drinking behavior. Um, set goals for the days you're going to drink, right? So I, you know, I'm trying to reduce it from every day of the week to two or three days a week. 
So let me set goals for what days that's going to be um, so that I'm less likely to drink on these other days. But then that means I have to have a plan in place for what I'm going to do on those days I'm not drinking. And that's where it's important for you to have hobbies and other activities, whether that's exercise, painting, drawing, um, music, going outside for um, some nature activities. So you want to have, and this is the development of other coping skills. If I want to get out of just relying on alcohol as my way of dealing with my stress, then I need to find some other stress management techniques, some other ways to relax myself, journal, meditation, um, if I want to start working with a physical training, because the other thing about alcohol use is it can pack on the pounds. Um, and we'll see a lot of people have carry that weight around their gut in particular when they're heavy drinkers. Um, even if you want to do <coughs> something like, okay, um, I'm going to have a drink and then I'll have water or two, um, bottles of water in between, right? So that slows me down with my drinking. So I'm having some other drinks in between that aren't alcohol. So I'm still drinking something. So I'm still getting that effect I can sip, but it's not necessarily alcohol. And I will see people have non-alcoholic drinks, but not tell people it's not alcohol. So they still feel like they're in it and in the experience without bringing people into their business. Um, it's important that you recognize your triggers for drinking. What is causing me to drink excessively? Um, is it environment? Is it people? Is it things that I have going on in my life? Because when I recognize those triggers and I can figure out actual action plans and, and strategies to problem solve as opposed to going to the alcohol. If I've got financial stress, let me sit down with some people and figure out how I can manage the finances, how I can get some extra income in there or cut expenses. And because alcohol use can be an expensive habit, then cutting back on that alcohol may be a way to help with that financial stress. Um, strategies always help when you know how I'm going to deal with something. So you're not put in a situation where then you're like, oh, I didn't even mean to use, but I'm in this situation. Here I am. That may mean saying no. There may be places you don't go. There may be people that you don't go around. If you know somebody drinks excessively and you're trying to cut back drinking, do you really want to be around that person that much? Probably not. Um, so that may mean you need to change your support system. Um, if you are at a point where this is a true addiction for you, like you've tried to stop, can't stop, you're having a lot of legal, financial, social problems, work problems, then recovery is going to be your best option. Recovery could be inpatient. Um, recovery can be extensive outpatient, which is your maybe Monday through Friday in a program or your um, less intensive outpatient where you may be coming to see a, a, a therapist. So, or, or a support group may be a good option for you to be around other people who are also in recovery and who can serve as accountability partners. There's a lot of resources um, out like NAMI, National Alliance of Mental Illness, has some support resources. Um, Substance Abuse and Minority Health Association, like they have a lot of resources. So there are a lot of different ways you can access this information if you wanna find a um, treatment provider in your area. Um, but also there are, there is a therapy for um, black men. There's therapy for black girls that's got resources for providers. So you can look up if you want a black provider, but also if you go to um, psychology today, you can look up providers by specialty, ethnicity, um, religion, any of those other factors to determine, okay, who could be a good provider for me and what may be some good treatment options for me. 
okay? So their information is out there. It's just a matter of you being honest with yourself and your youth and figuring out alternatives. And if you need additional help, being able to put those support resources in place, okay? So be safe, be healthy, be honest with yourself, but most importantly, be encouraged.